1: This is Sports Beat AM, featuring a conversation with Blue and Gold Illustrated Notre Dame football beat reporter Tyler Horka. We are heading into the final week of Notre Dame football spring practice. Still a lot to accomplish, including the Blue-Gold scrimmage coming up on Saturday, April the 23rd, 1 o'clock right here on Sports Radio 960. WSBT. Darren Pritchett with you. 22 minutes in front of nine o'clock. I'm joined by Tyler Horka, the Notre Dame football beat reporter for Blue and Gold Illustrated. Read his work at blueandgold.com. Tyler, good morning. How are you?
0: I'm great, Darren. Good to be talking with you.
1: You as well. You've had a chance to watch a decent amount of spring practice. I'm curious on the offensive side of the football. What's caught your eye?
0: I think it's been a couple of the coaches that Marcus Freeman brought onto his staff, and Chansey Stuckey is definitely one of those. Uh, He's working with the depleted group. We all know. We've talked about it time and time again on this show. You know, if you read blueandgold.com, we've written extensively about where the Notre Dame wide receiver position is at. And, you know, Joe Wilkins going down with a foot injury a couple weeks ago kind of added to that. So Stuckey's working with five scholarship players and in a way maybe that's a blessing in disguise because he is really rubbing off on those five I would say there have been times where I see them just doing a you know a, a drill on the sideline and this is really early in practice uh, we get to watch the first five periods uh, um, aside from one practice where we watch the whole thing but you know I'll see them just getting off the line and and he's just so meticulous and detailed in that one drill. And it's really simple. I mean, wide receivers are, are trying to get off the line every single play, right? It's something they do all the time, but he's really uh, detailed in, in trying to get them to do that to the best of their ability. And I'll watch Dion Colsey do the drill and then get back in line. And it's a pretty short line, like I was just talking about, but in that little short time that he's preparing to do it again, you can see him working on footwork and you know watching whoever whether it's lorenzo styles or matt salerno or whoever else is doing the drill ahead of him he's kind of doing it with them at the back of the line and, and hes you could tell that he's really focused on getting better at that one little thing but i think it's the small things with chancy Stuckey and he hasn't been a, a coach for very long but you could tell he really likes to hone his craft and he, he wants his players to hone their crafts as well and then uh, real quickly, uh, another thing I've noticed on the offensive side of the ball is Harry Heastand is just uh, – he, he it looks like he's a masterful coach. And uh, he, I saw him yelling at Blake Fisher yesterday. Blake Fisher doesn't really need to be yelled at because <laughs> he's probably the most talented guy in that room, maybe one of the better talents uh, on this Notre Dame team and across the country at his position. But uh, if Harry Heastand sees Blake Fisher do a drill – not up to his standard. Harry Heestand is not afraid to yell at a guy like Blake Fisher. So I think that stands out. And I think the rest of the offensive line sees that and says, okay, if Blake Fisher isn't safe, we're not safe either. We better do everything that he stands asking. Because the things that stand is asking, or are asking, he's asking, that's going to get some of these guys to the NFL. You know, we've seen it at Notre Dame before when Heestand was here the first time. And with this group of guys, uh, Blake Fisher leading them, Uh, Talent wise, I think we're going to see it, you know, in the coming years as well.
1: Tyler, I think you've discovered what all of us have known for a long time. You always know where the offensive line (laughs) is in practice because you can hear Harry's voice carrying from wherever they are. Hey, just. To clean up one thing, obviously last year Fisher started off at left tackle against Florida State, suffered the injury in the first half. We did not see him again until the Fiesta Bowl when he took Josh Lugg's spot, who was injured, at right tackle. Does it look like there's not going to be moving around parts, all at left tackle, Fisher at right tackle?
0: Yeah, that's remained consistent throughout the entirety of spring practice from what we've seen. Uh, Joe Alt definitely at left tackle, Blake Fisher definitely at right tackle. And I thought that would probably be the case just based on what we saw in the Fiesta Bowl. It looked like, um, you know, those guys looked really good at those the, those respective positions in that game. The one thing that I will add on the offensive line is uh, if you're a Rocco Spindler fan, based on what I saw yesterday, maybe it, it's time to get a little bit excited. He was working with the ones at left guard uh, in place of Andrew Kostovic, who looked – healthy and he was just working with the twos so maybe there's a little bit of bit of a battle going on there and, and maybe we see three true sophomores starting across mm-hmm. the notre dame offensive line in the fall it's obviously Rock, Rocco spindler joe alton blake fisher are all two sophomores
1: he's tyler horkin notre dame football beat reporter blue and gold illustrated blue and joining me darren pritchett on sportsbeat am on wsbt radio Let's talk about the defensive side of the football. When you've had a chance to watch practice, what's caught your eye there?
0: Yeah, some of those coaches have remained the same. So if I go with the same theme, um, you know, I know what Chris O'Leary coaches like, I know what Mike Mickens coaches like, but uh, one of the guys that isn't, you know, on the full time staff that I've definitely noticed is James Laurinitis. And Uh, he kind of takes the Marcus Freeman approach in the stretching lines where he goes up and down the lines. It doesn't matter if it's offense or defense, first team, second team, third team, he's patting guys on the head and he's, you know, getting them ready for uh, the the two hours of head, whatever those two hours entail. And then once the practice starts, uh, you could tell that this guy was, was one of the best, you know, college linebackers that we've seen in the last 20 years (laughs) or so, because he's intense. He's, uh, he's yelling at these guys If Harry, he stands the yeller on the offensive side of the ball. then I think James Laurinaitis, you know, fits that mold on the defensive side of the ball. And I think it's just great to have a guy like that, especially, like I said, not on the full-time staff, this guy's technically a grad assistant, you know, pushing 40 years old, whatever he is. Um, anytime you have a guy like that on the staff who has done it before and can impart that wisdom, on these other guys, I think that's huge. And just from a player personnel standpoint, uh, I think it's been interesting to watch Riley Mills kind of float around the defensive line. I think he's going to find a home either on the inside or the outside at some point. And I think I'm leaning more and more that he's going to be this team's starting strong side defensive end. He's just too big. He's too athletic. I think he can get to the quarterback uh, really well from that position. So I would look for, Uh, Isaiah Foskey and Riley Mills to be your defensive ends for this team and then um, I think Ryan Barnes has been really good in the wake of Cam Hart's shoulder injury Uh, if you're looking for uh, you know one of those sophomore or underclassmen uh, cornerbacks to step up and you know if Cam Hart goes down again or if Clarence Lewis ends up being the guy from the Fiesta Bowl and and not the guy from his freshman year and, and parts of his sophomore year then Uh, Ryan Barnes has length. Uh, They they love his athleticism at the cornerback position. Seen him pick off a couple uh, passes in practice. So uh, don't don't uh, be too worried if you're a Notre Dame fan and saying, man, we might only have one good quarter cornerback right now. And his name is Cam Hart. Um, I I think there are some other guys in that room that could step up. And and Ryan Barnes is probably at, at the front of that conversation.
1: Tyler, I think Laurinaitis is just missing being a radio broadcaster. He's just using that voice a lot in practice. (laughs) He misses being on the radio. Hey, I want to ask you about a freshman in Joshua Burnham for a second. He's a part of that highly acclaimed linebacker class brought in by Marcus Freeman. And I noticed your colleague Mike Singer has talked a little bit about that. Burnham has been used a little bit at the Viper position. Do you think this is just cross-training? Do you think there's a chance Burnham could end up there? How do you think the Irish use him, or at least where does he show up on the depth chart to start the year?
0: I think it's a little bit of both. I think they realize that they have a guy who does not look like an early enrollee freshman. That's one thing that I noticed when we got to watch the full practice, especially a couple weeks ago, was that this dude looks ready-made to play college football right now. And among the early enrollee freshmen, he might be the guy who can say that the most. Uh, I know it's definitely not Jalen Sneed, who who looks a little small out there, to, to be quite honest with you. Hmm. Joshua Burnham does not. Um, I, I think they realize that they've got a guy who, yeah, can play both of those positions. And if there was ever a time to cross-train him and say, all right, we're, we're going to keep you in our pocket here at Viper, you know, just in case. Um, and look, Isaiah Foskey is going to be gone this time next year. Justin Animalola is going to be gone this time next year. Maybe they're getting a one-year head start and mm-hmm. saying we're going to need a guy at Viper uh, in the 2023 season. So let's start getting you some reps here now. And I think another part of this has to do with the fact that junior Tui Halamaka has looked so good Hmm. at linebacker. I I think he's been, and I wrote about this at blueandgold.com last week. I think he's been Notre Dame's most impressive uh, early enrollee freshman among that quartet because everyone was talking about those linebackers and that's headlined by Snead. And when I say he's really small, I think he's going to get bigger and I think he's going to be a really good player for Notre Dame. It's just right now he, he doesn't quite look the part. Junior Tule Halamaka does look the part. Josh Burnham does look the part. Nolan Ziegler is getting there. So I think part of moving Burnham to Viper, at least temporarily, has to do with the fact that they're pretty comfortable with where those four guys are and they have the leeway to kind of move him around.
1: Remember, Tyler, when the Irish baseball team lost four in a row? Well... They've turned things around rather quickly. They've now won nine straight, including clobbering Michigan at X Stadium last night, 14 to 5. What do you think has been the major reason why the Irish have been able to go on this great run after that four-game losing streak?
0: Major reason is they've found a little bit of something in the bullpen, and that's a lot of guys. That's Ryan McClinsky. that's Jackson Denny's, who uh, had a Zero ERA through um, last week of the season. So I think he's had upward of 10 appearances and he hasn't given up an earned run. When you have guys like that, that you can turn to, Link Jarrett obviously feels a lot more comfortable with maybe the offense struggling or or maybe they're losing two to one in a game and and he can get that game to the ninth inning and maybe a big swing happens and, and Notre Dame pulls out a victory. In a nine-game winning streak, you have all types of games, right? You're going to blow people out. You're going to win close. You're going to come from behind. Notre Dame has done all of that. Obviously, they have one of the best starting pitchers in the nation and John Michael Bertrand. So every time you go out on a Friday night, you feel like you're going to win that game, and that's happened. He has not lost a game all season. And then from the lineup, uh, Spencer Myers, a guy that Notre Dame really needed to uh, do well from the leadoff spot but struggled for the first – month and a half, two months of the season, he's gotten hot. Carter, Carter Putz has been just absolutely mm. lights out in the middle of the lineup. And then you have guys who have struggled, but they seem to come up with big swings when they need them. So uh, I, all in all, every, everything is clicking. That's how you win nine games in a row. Your starting pitching has been good. The bullpen has gotten a lot better, and the lineup has done what it needs to.
1: Well, Tyler, we're just about a week and a half away from the spring game for subscribers at Blue and Gold Illustrated or possible subscribers. What should they expect over the next eight, nine days leading up to the Blue-Gold scrimmage at Notre Dame Stadium?
0: Well, if they got on there right now, they'd see a lot of Ed Orger on, and that's something that (laughs) probably at this time time yesterday morning I I wasn't really expecting. Um, But in the lead-up to the Blue-Gold game, um, definitely from yesterday, they'd also see some practice observations. I think that's one of the best things that we do me and my colleague, Patrick Engel, immediately after watching practice, we get on there and, uh, you know, draft up some words on the offensive defense and special teams. And, um, I think we've covered spring practice brilliantly. Um, we've got more boots on the ground in South Bend than any other outlet in the area. So that helps. And, um, you know, we've got a few more interview sessions leading up to that game. So we'll have stories from the tight ends tomorrow and take a little break for Easter and, and then get right back to it leading into the game. Uh, $1 for an entire year of premium, <laughs> premium access. You can't beat it.
1: Did you hear Coach O right there yelling, Go Tigers? I <laughs> wish he was going to say, Go Irish, at the end of that media session. That was the only thing missing from him talking to the media yesterday. Him yelling, Go Irish, would have been icing on the cake.
0: You know, that would have had a good ring to it, too. It almost sounds like Go Tigers. I I think a missed opportunity for sure.
1: I think the common joke is that the Irish defensive lineman, who apparently Ed was around at practice, they maybe had the chance to get some coaching from a a national championship coach from LSU for the first time. But maybe that's going down the road too early. (laughs)
0: I see
1: what you did there. Yeah, all right. Hey, Tyler, good to catch up with you. Enjoy the rest of your week and this weekend, and we will talk to you next Wednesday as we prepare for the Blue-Gold game.
0: Perfect. Thanks, Darren, as
1: usual. Thank you so much. Tyler Horka, beat reporter. Catch him at Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com, 852 at WSBT.